0: Bible with me today. We're going to continue our series through the New Testament. And by the way, I have gifts. I have gifts for all my friends. Lori or Linda, will you help me with this? I I have Bible bookmarks for all my friends. This is a little Bible study plan, getting through the New Testament, five chapters at a time. You know that 80% of Christians have never read the Bible, the whole Bible? They've only gotten little Portions and verses and little pieces here and there 80% 80% of Christians have never read their Bible cover to cover They've never read the whole thing and many Christians have never read just the important half for us the New Testament and How many know that you need to know what your Bible says otherwise you could be tricked? Otherwise, you won't know what you're talking about when you're talking about Christianity when you're talking about God There's a lot of people who think the Bible says things that Bible Bible does not say like, for instance, you ever heard that phrase, God helps those who help themselves? How many of you think that's in the Bible? Not in the Bible. Benjamin Franklin said that one. Not in the Bible. The Bible says things similar, like, uh, if a man won't work, and then he won't, if, then he can't eat, right? We say there are principles of work, like a, 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 an honest work, day's work deserves an honest day's pay. That comes from another scripture that says, a workman is worthy of his hire. But the Bible doesn't say an honest day's work for an honest day's pay you know what I'm saying? We have a lot of isms that come from Christianity, but they don't come from the Bible. And we have a lot of little uh, pithy sayings <laughs> in American culture, and we think it comes from the Bible, but it doesn't. So how are you going to know what's in the Bible unless you read it, <laughs> right? And stop just uh, shooting off the top of your head of what you think the Bible says. Actually read your Bible. So how do you know? you got to keep track of it. You have to have a Bible reading plan. And I recommend you start in the New Testament because by the, if you try to start in Genesis, you'll get stuck in Leviticus and you'll quit. All right? Anybody, any Bible people know what I'm talking about? Okay, you got to the third or fourth chapter of Leviticus and you're like, oh my goodness, this is a boring, oh my God, the whole is the whole book like this? Is the whole book like this? No, it's not all like that, but all of that's important for context. So it's good to read the whole Bible, including the Old Testament. For Christians, though, We have a new covenant. We have a new testament. And I think it's good for us Christians to start in Matthew and go through Revelation. That's what we've been doing this year. Take this Bible bookmark. And if you're one of those Christians, if you're one of those 80% that have never read the Bible, can I challenge you? Start this week. Start this week. Say, I don't have a Bible reading plan. I've just kind of been doing the, the kamikaze method of Bible scripture. Just flip it open and go, oh, what does it say? Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, no, man, go and do likewise. Oh, no. No, no, no. Don't don't do the Russian roulette style Bible study. A lot of people do that. No, no, have a system for studying the scriptures and getting through the whole Bible. Then you'll know what the whole Bible says, and you'll have it for training in godliness and life in Jesus, and you know what it says, and no one can deceive you. There's a lot of people trying to deceive Christians these days. Come on, right? These are deceitful times. These are scary times. There are charlatans and con artists everywhere. And if you listen to the things you hear in the media on the, li- on the right or the left, you're gonna be fooled. You're gonna be deceived. There's only one news that's worth listening to, and it's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, amen? It's not CNN, it's not MSNBC, it's not Fox News, it's not either, it's the good news, it's the gospel. It'll never lie to you. It'll never get the facts wrong. It's always going to get it just right. Amen? So let's study this here today. And I really, seriously, if you've never done it, how can I challenge you? Um, let me think about it. What will I give you if you get through the whole Bible? And not only do you get this book, Bible bookmark, I'll give you a T-shirt, all right? I'll give you a T-shirt from the Resource Center if you can come to me in the next 52 weeks and say, I did it, Pastor Wayne. I checked, I read the whole New Testament. You know what they call it? You still that's bribery. No, it's called incentive. It's called incentive. The least I can do for you is give you a t-shirt if you read the whole Bible, right? Amen? Yeah. Let's do that. All right? So uh, don't lie, okay? You're on the honor system. Just, <laughs> why would you lie about reading the Bible anyway? That'd be a weird thing to do. So just check the box, read. Read the Bible and you'll grow. What's that old Sunday school song? Was "Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow." Don't read your Bible, don't pray every day, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. How I many? There's a principle there. It's true. All right. So, talking about kingdom family values, and I was thinking, how can I illustrate that today? I always like to have a visual or an illustration, and. I was going through like thinking, what what has value? What can I talk about where it has value? And I went through my my kid's game closet upstairs. So Max, if you heard me knocking around early this morning upstairs, it wasn't a stranger, it was me. And I found the Simpsons Monopoly game and I found a Homer Simpson $20 bill. Now does this really have value? Well, it has value if you're playing Simpsons Monopoly Right? But does it really have value? Like if I went down to the corner store, I went to Bud's Cafe and said, I'd like to buy my cheeseburger with his Homer Simpson twenty dollar bill, they go like, Oh good, well I'll give you a Homer Simpson invisible cheeseburger, right? They'd be like, Okay, crazy dude, get out of get out of here with that crazy stuff. Right? It's fake. It's not real. We know it's fake. It's like it's not even the size of it all, it's green, right? But Homer Simpson, what? Trying to pass that off as real value, or real dollar value. We see right through that, right? How about this though? I, I gotta I have a little quiz, I have a little test for you. Okay, see, we'll see how good you are. See if any of you have ever worked at a convenience store. Can you tell the difference between these two, which one is real and which one is fake? Which one is fake? The fake one is where? The fake one is on the le- on your left? Why is it fake? It looks, it looks fake? Well, you're really good because you look at the back of that one, all right, see? I, I just put that on the color copier uh, printer at home, and I just broke the law big time. I'll destroy this later, I promise, to the federal agents who are watching the feed here today. It's right. a major crime, counterfeiting money. In fact, I remember in Bible college, there were some poor guys on my floor that were fooling the Pepsi machine by, color, by photocopying dollar bills and putting them in, and it fooled the Pepsi machine. And they were getting free Pepsis from photocopied ones. Anybody, anybody naughty in the 80s or 90s do stuff like that? Okay, Ooh, all right, I outed you, I outed you. All right, well, I won't tell Pepsi. It'll be our little secret between you, me, and Pepsi. It won't, it won't. It's a little tougher though, right? This one is, a, like if you just didn't see it next to a one dollar bill, and you weren't privy to the back side of it, Looks pretty close to a one dollar bill. If you didn't know I was talking about authenticity, you'd think, oh, that's pretty, that's probably a one. He wouldn't lie to me, would he? See, that's the the world we're living in right now, is counterfeit Christianity, counterfeit facts, counterfeit truth. There is a lot of faking going on. There's a lot of posing, (laughs) but that has no value, right? Again, if I went down to Bud's Cafe and tried to get a cheeseburger with one of these, they'd be like, what? Get out of here with that, right? That has no value here, right? Well, we as Christians, we have to see through the deception. We have to see through what the enemy is trying to fool us with. And so that's where we're going to pick up here, talking about kingdom family values in Galatians chapter 4. And Paul's talking about true Christianity. He talked about these fake apostles, these super apostles that were trying to disqualify his ministry. He's saying, no, no, I really am an apostle. Don't you remember? You wouldn't have come to Christ if it wasn't for me. These people are trying to give you a different gospel. Not the real gospel. They're trying to give you a counterfeit gospel. A gospel that says, well, wait, if you convert to Judaism, then Jesus will accept you. Or, no, no, if you do all these good deeds and then you have Jesus... Then God will let No, no. It's not just Jesus. It's you got to do this stuff. And then Jesus. And then you're in. No, no. Paul says, no. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's the grace of Jesus plus nothing. It's a free gift. All I can do is receive it. It's not by works. So I can't brag about how good I was. I can't take any credit in why God, how God saved me. Now, my discipleship is up to me. As I'm growing, as I obey, I become more like Christ. Some of that is my effort coupled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm not saved. I'm not accepted by God because of any good deeds that I do. I'm justified by faith and faith alone. That's the real gospel. Any other gospel that is about doing something, earning it, somehow being good enough, that's false. That's fake. That's religion. That's religion. That's not a relationship with God. That's not true spirituality. So here's what Paul says in verse 4 of Galatians 4. He says, When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer slaves, but God's own child. And since you are His child, God has made you His heir. That's why we sang that song today. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted by God. I don't have to live under condemnation anymore. I don't have to live under guilt anymore. I live in the freedom that comes from Christ. But Paul gives a concerning word to the Galatians here next. He says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that don't even exist. He says, now you know that, that God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? In other words, paganism was all about pleasing the gods. Well, making the gods happy if I just cut myself enough, if I just shed enough blood, if I just make enough sacrifices, then that the gods will accept me. And he goes, Why would you go back into paganism? Why would you go back into a works-based religion when God's already given you the free gift of grace? You're re-enslaving yourself to religion. That's a trick of the enemy, of course. It's a trick of the devil. He's like, well, it's Jesus, yeah, plus all this other stuff. And if he can get you into that religious mindset, then he can thwart the good news of God's grace in you. And then you're back enslaved again to religion. Are you getting this? It's a big difference. In fact, it's the difference between fake Christianity and the real thing. (laughs) The real thing is, by grace I'm saved through faith, not of myself. It's by works, so I can't boast about it. Not through any good deeds that I've done. Abraham was justified by faith. And so he talks about these false teachers, verse 17. He says, those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let, let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. In other words, these people were trying to get between Paul and the church that he had planted and these people that they, they discipled. They're trying to weasel their way in to get their money or to get the influence with them. They're really trying to cut them off from the grace of Christ. And so Paul draws this illustration that we can look at today, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're truly spiritual or you're religious. He says there's two women with two different sons with Abraham. And one woman is the woman of the law, and the other woman is the woman of grace. And here's what he says, this illustration, Abraham's two children, verse 21. He says, tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from the slave wife and one from the, his free, freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of His promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where the people received the law that enslaved them. Talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you have never given birth, break into joyful shout, you have never been in, in, in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. It says, and dear brothers and sisters, are you children of the promise, just like Isaac? But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the son born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, and the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what did the Scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. See, if you you try to earn your way through religious performance, you've enslaved yourself to man's attempt at being good enough for God. And you'll never be able to do enough. You'll always be a slave to guilt. You'll always be a slave to condemnation. You'll never feel accepted by God. You'll always wonder if you've done enough. You'll always wonder if you're truly accepted. You'll be a slave forever. And how many slaves are there in churches this morning all over the world going, I hope I did enough. I hope I confessed all my sins. I hope the priest will smile at me today. Come on. But there's a smaller, much smaller percentage of people that receive and know the love of Jesus go, I'll never be good enough. Man, oh man, I am messed up. Thank God for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus that you've forgiven me of all my sins. You've adopted me into your family. I know your love. I know your peace. I know your grace. God, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. But I receive it because I know you're good enough, even though I'll never be good enough. I'm free. I don't have to go back to my sinful life anymore because his spirit is inside of me. His spirit's a down payment that what he promised one day I'll have completely Do I live in a body of decay and sin? Yeah. Do I wrestle with sin even after becoming a Christian? Of course I do. I'm not going to walk this thing perfectly. But thank God it's not dependent on my perfect walk. It's dependent on me accepting his perfect gift. That is good news. That's the best news ever. That's the gospel. (laughs) So... The first value, first kingdom value, number one, that I just shared is we're adopted into God's family. What a great valuable thing that I'm now a son, you're a daughter, we all belong to God, not because of good works, but just because of his love and his acceptance. And I received that adoption and I walk into his house as one of his kids. Well, I belong to God. And he even loves his screw ups. You know, God loves his screw up kids too. In fact, sometimes I think he might even love them more because he's like, oh, you poor kid. Let me, Let me dust you off. Come on. Get up again. Here we go. No, that No, that way. That way. What are what do you doing? You're bashing your head against the wall. Why are you doing that? No, no, no. This way. This way. And he loves you enough to go, <laughs> no, no, no. Let's get, let's get a helmet for this kid. <laughs> he loves you even in your screw-ups. It's adoption into God's family. What a great value. And just because you sin, doesn't he go, well, you're not adopted anymore. I'm getting rid of you. I disown you myself. No, he never disowns his kids. Never. As long as you keep coming back, he keeps forgiving. <laughs> as long as you keep coming home and you're part of the family, he goes, wow, you really screwed up that? Wow, that was really something. Well, you should probably fix that. How about How about you go call that person and say you're sorry? How about you give that money back? How about you make that right? You make you you an amends in that area. And because you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in you, you go, yes, Father. Yes, Father. I'm sorry. That's not who I want to be. Right? The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes over you. You have an intimacy with God, intimate enough to humble yourself and obey Him no matter what He tells you. And to pick yourself up when you fail. To pick yourself up when you fail. And realize it's not because of any good you've done, but it's by grace that you're saved through faith. And then you're free from that bondage of religion that always condemns you and says, you'll never be good enough. You're never going to get this right. You're always going to screw up. You're going to hell. You know, is that God? Is that God's voice? No. That's the enemy who condemns. But now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're loved, we're accepted, we're adopted. Even us screw-ups, especially us screw-ups, right? He's the only shot we have. Like, it's the only shot I've got. Chapter five, he continues to talk about freedom in Christ and he he kind of finishes uh, a lot of his theological talk in Galatians here. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So it's not like, hey, you're off the hook. You can live however you want and act however you want. No, because I'm one of God's kids, I'm growing. I've decided I want to be a member of His house and embrace the culture of His family. Right? Do Christians sin? Yes. But they're not happy about it. <laughs> they're like, that is not... What is going on with me? They go, okay, God. What did I do at that time? How did that, how did that happen? There's another program I belong to talks about an acronym HALT H-A-L-T when I get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired I get near the edges and I'm not thinking so straight. I Start to make some of those bad mistakes, so I should recognize when I get into the danger zone You know Maybe eat eat something Take a nap calm down (laughs) Go find a friend go talk to a friend Run this by a friend, see what they say about it. Oh, yo, I'm not thinking about it the right way. I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But I want to be right. No, but I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. I thought I was right. <laughs> and you go, okay. Well, I'm I am submitted and humble enough to accept correction. And maybe I don't see everything. Maybe I have some blind spots. Maybe I can grow and do what people tell me. So Paul talks about the church is a family, but it's so much more than that. He says it's like a family; it's also like a building. He says Christ is in charge. It's a place. Church is a place to glorify God. In another description, it's a place for sharing your your life with each other. See, people who blow in late and leave early at church, they don't really want to be a part of the family, right? They want, the, they want the fire insurance. Look, I went to church. There, God. I did it. <sighs> you might as well just not come, right? If you're coming with that attitude, don't come with that attitude. If that's what you give, don't give. There's your tithe and offering. Boom. No, no, no. Out of an overflowing heart of gratitude, that's when and how we give. Right? It's a place where I share my life. I'm not too good to hang out with ordinary people. I'm not too good to t- listen to other people. And maybe I have something to learn from other people. And other description here says in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others good, the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The church is a diverse place. Every nation, tribe, tongue, people group, at socio level, every education level, God is not a discriminator. He's not a. Uh, he doesn't show any favoritism. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not a guy kind to of go, well, wow, you, you're the governor. I'm gonna really give you some attention. No, no. He cares about the homeless guy on Colfax, and he cares about Governor Polis, and all points in between. He cares about all of us. Listens to our prayers. He doesn't care who we are. Value number two, we reject sin and live in the Spirit. We reject sin and we live in the Spirit. So, how do you do this? If I know I'm saved by grace through faith and I receive that, I am adopted, what's the next steps? Like this Christian life, I don't know if I could be good enough. Well, first of all, you can't. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit working through you can. It's God in you. So we have these two natures inside of us, right? The the flesh and the Spirit. And it depends on what you're feeding the most every day which which way you're going to win. So he says, but uh, Galatians chapter 5, he says, verse 5, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us, For when we placed our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well, who held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you into freedom. Skipping to verse 17, he says... I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Whoa, Paul. Whoa. Okay. Wow. See, they, they were telling people who hadn't been circumcised as adults, oh, no, you have to be circumcised and then receive Christ and then you can become a Christian. How many of you, that would definitely hurt church growth, right? By the way, all you guys that haven't been circumcised, I have a little surgery we have to do before you can become a Christian. That might put the kibosh on church membership in the early days, right? And some of them were saying, well, now, now that I'm Jewish, I already am circumcised, but I'm really received by grace, so maybe I need to have my circumcision reversed. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Paul said, no, you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> it's not about the circumcision. It's not about the surgery. <laughs> it's about a circumcision of the heart. It's about belonging to God, being marked by God because of His grace, not because of some ceremonial procedure written in the Old Testament. Verse uh, 12 In chapter five, he says, "I just so verse 13." He says, "For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love." And man, this is crucial. In fact, this is probably the most crucial part of our study here this morning: living by the Spirit's power. I have this underlined and highlighted and circled and like arrows pointing at it. Like I, my this part of my Bible is like. It's crazy how much I've marked it up. I hope your Bible looks like that too. Yes, you can write in your Bible. I recommend you write in your Bible. Keep notes to yourself, reminders to yourself. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, uh, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The lifestyle of a Christian doesn't look like that. A person who is a Christ follower, they look different. They can't continue in sin because it's distasteful to them. They they identify with a new Citizenship now. Verse 22, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. He says, how do you do this? Well, you don't do it in your effort. You don't do it by religion. You do it by the Holy Spirit's power at work in you, giving you the personality of Jesus. What is the personality of Jesus? Love, joy, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All those fruits begin to manifest in the life of a believer if they really are turning over control of their lives, body, mind, soul, spirit, all to God. You've signed the deed of your life over. There's a personality change. There's desires that begin to change. There are things that you don't want to do anymore. There are new things that you never wanted to do before. you start to want to do like I I guess I'm one of those people that have never read the whole Bible maybe I should read the whole Bible maybe I should know what's in there you never wanted to do that before did you but once you came to Christ you're like it's probably a good idea probably should do that yeah you should grow so we reject sin and we live in the spirit value number three are you getting getting some out of this today are you growing? Value number three, everything must be done in love. Correction and praise. See, it's easy to give a praise in love, but when you have to give a word of correction, sometimes it's hard to do in love because maybe it, it's coming too late <laughs> or you got something stuck in your craw and you're really mad about it. So you got to be careful when you bring a word of correction that you don't bring any, any anger or heat with it. You think about, no, no, I'm correcting because I love. I care about you. I care about where I see this going, and I need need to tell you what I I think is wrong. And if you'll receive it, that kind of correction almost is always received by a Christian, because they might see something you don't see, and you go, "Really? That's how it's? Wow! Oh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, oh man, that's not who I want to to appear to be. It's not who I am. It's not who I want to be." And most Christians will receive correction that way if it's done in love. And if you have to give a word of correction, you don't bring heat with it. You don't bring anger or bitterness with it. You bring the love of Christ. Hey, I'm. I see a danger zone here. I want to clarify some things. Make this clear. Is this really? Is this really what you think? Is this really what you feel? Is this really what you want? When it, when it comes with a gentleness and a love, it's almost always received. So. Paul says, we harvest what we plant, Verse uh, chapter 6. He says, dear brothers and sisters, again, this is the family of God. So the kingdom family values. This is is what the Christian family does. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to, to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Wow. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for keeping it real. It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Hello, Instagram. Hello. TikTok, hello, Twitter. Hello, can you hear me now? Good, okay. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing in the good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. I I underline that one. You reap what you sow. It's another way to say it. Those who live only to satisfy their sin nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not become tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. In fact, what he's saying is, you need to prioritize your church family, your spiritual family. You give them a little preferential treatment. Like, that's my brother. That's my sister. You know, we we're growing together in Christ. We're we're doing this thing with Jesus together. In my my church family, my spiritual family. Like when they when they call, I don't let it roll over the, the voicemail. I pick it up and go, "Oh man, they they, they need something, right?" I prioritize that. Telemarketer, I might let that one roll to voicemail. No, no, no. Well, my, my brother, my sister from church is calling. Ooh, picking that one up. Hope it's not something bad. Hope something. maybe I can help them with something, right? So give preferential treatment to your spiritual family. And final advice, he says, Paul says, notice what large letters I use to write this closing words in my own handwriting. And he's talking about his his thorn in the flesh there again. Many people think he was going blind. That he needed more and more help with his blindness later on in life. And he again just warns the Galatians not to get trapped by religion. Don't get trapped by these Judaizers who say that it's not grace. No, it's religious performance. No, 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 don't fall into that. Don't fall into that. So we get to the next book, which is Ephesians, and we'll hit two of these chapters and I'll finish. I'm just going to skim here. It's written in AD 60. The main themes are it's who we are in Christ. It's about Gentiles being full members of the church. It's about unity, growing in the church, about living as Christians. Key concepts in Ephesians is Jesus Christ, grace, prayer, the church itself, and light, living in the light. Uh, A a verse worth memorizing in Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this, which i quoted already this morning. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Value number four of Ephesians 1, the Holy Spirit is our adoption. Or the Holy Spirit seals our adoption. It's an evidence that we've been adopted by God. When you know you have His approval, when you feel those gifts and those fruits working in your life, you go, oh, that's a taste of heaven. Oh, I sense, I sense I have power that I didn't have power to do before. I have the power to live this. I couldn't do this in my own effort before. But suddenly I want to do it. And now I can do it. Because His Spirit's at work in me. So he talks about these spiritual blessings and... Verse 4 of of Ephesians 1, he says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, again, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Kingdom, family, values. (laughs) A family value is living by the Spirit. It's the grace of God. Not doing it in my own effort, but doing with His power, working through me because I've been adopted as His child. There's so much more I can say about that. He does say this in verse 22. He says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him the head over all things, the benefit of the church. He says this is a secret. This is a, this is a sort of a, a plan that God has been working over the ages. This secret plan that people don't know about is that he's bringing everything under his authority. Slowly but surely, the whole world is coming into his authority. And then verse 23 says, Then the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. It's true. Christians everywhere, on every continent, every language group are receiving Christ and knowing Christ. Kingdom value, family value, number five, God the Father unites Jews and Gentiles. And really talking about a blended family. And I've talked about this, of course, in Romans quite a bit. We'll talk more about this when we get to the book of Hebrews. But he says this in verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace with Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. (laughs) You guys remember this this TV show? There's a story of a man named Brady. Who is bringing up three very low... We're not, we're okay. So, a blended family. right? What was the dad's name? Is it Bob? Bob, Mike Mike, and Carol. right? Blended family. Brothers and sisters brought together. Jews and Gentiles. God blended them together. He has a plan for Israel. He has a plan for the church. And he's bringing all things under the authority of Christ. And so, he says this... I'll I'll land it here. He says, He brought this good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far away from Him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. I have a little illustration to end this with. I got my marker to work here. I like to share the gospel in a different way every week. See if I can lift this up a little. This is an illustration I call the gospel bridge, okay? And this works for Jews and Gentiles. It works for all people. I want to see two two different cliff sides separated by a great canyon. In fact the canyon is so deep you can't even see the bottom. It's eternal separation between these two canyon walls. This is you. <laughs> and this is God. That you could be all of mankind, every person in the world. And what religion tries to do is you try to jump over the canyon. And how many of you can't ever jump over a canyon? You always fall short. If I, if I take a really long running jump, maybe I can still do it. Oh, no, I still fail. I still fail. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe if I take a class and really learn about canyon jumping, I've heard there's a class you could take. I'll just try, try. I'll run even further back. I'll try really hard. No. Straight down in the middle of the canyon. Always failing. That's religion. That's our effort in being good enough for God. We're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be a good enough canyon jumper. You're always going to fall short. But God tapped His Son, Jesus Christ. And He said, Jesus, would you go and make a bridge? Would you be the bridge? So all those crazy canyon jumpers can make their way over. See, this is Jesus. He became the bridge over the chasm that we couldn't couldn't c- cover through our own religious effort. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, made a way because he's God's gift to mankind. John 3.16 says, for all have sinned and fallen what? Fallen short <laughs> of the glory of God. Right? No, that's, that's not John 3.16. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Right? The other one was Rome was Romans six twenty-three I just gave you. Right? So Jesus is the gospel bridge. Your efforts will never be good enough, but by faith in Jesus you cross the bridge and are reconciled to God, not through anything you've done, but by just receiving God's perfect gift of grace. The Gospel Bridge. How many think you could take a napkin at a restaurant and share that with a friend? Get a pen. That's so easy, right? Two canyons. There's you, there's God. You can't cover the canyon. But Jesus already did. Receive. Just receive the Gospel. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Maybe if you're online, you never heard the Gospel explained in such a simple way, but you're ready to say yes to Jesus? Would you just pray this prayer of receiving Him into your heart you now. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead, according to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Be my savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's no other gospel. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved. Everything else is a fake. Let's tear that up, right? Get rid of the counterfeit and receive the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? I'm not gonna buy a coke with that one. Right? Well, I'm glad you came today. Glad you watched online. I'm so so pleased about what's happening in the church and the ministry. By the way, I got a letter from all the teachers at Sedalia Elementary School, thanking you. Let me just read this, is from the principal, and all the teachers signed a little thank you card. They said some very, very sweet things. If you wanna read it? That's great. Here's what they said, and I think this might be from, from Peggy. She runs the front office. She said, on behalf of the entire Sedalia School uh, community, uh, who will benefit from the back to school donations, thank you. Our appreciation extends to all who donated the hundreds of dollars worth of school supplies just as, uh, such as crayons, pencils, tissue boxes, folders, glue sticks, scissors, water bottles, rulers, much more. The large collection of assorted backpacks handily crafted all of the supplies to students' classrooms during our recent open house. Many of our families who could otherwise not afford such supplies will now have everything ready for use at the beginning of the school year. Thank you for caring about others, the Sedalia staff and students. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. I had some great conversations walking in over there and had a great uh, talk with Dr. Calhoun from his visit last week too. It's so awesome seeing you live out the gospel in kindness with Christ. It's so so great. So a couple things to mark. You might notice there's a new calendar of events that I've put on a laminated sheet on the back door. If you go down by the bathrooms, we have some internal marketing. You can see all the calendar. Maybe just take a, a, a snapshot with your phone so you can keep those dates in mind. Our launch of the fall alpha course is going to be on Thursday night, September 16th. We're planning on a weekend away at Estes Park YMCA of the Rockies. Want to be a part of that? The cost is going to be about about ninety to a hundred dollars um, if there's a smaller group. If it goes down. It's even less if we have more people. So. Uh, With The more people, the less it costs because we distribute the costs amongst more people. So make your plans to join us for that. That's going to be the last weekend of October, October 29th and 30th. So mark your calendar for that as well. Of course, we'll have a lot of other stuff, a a fall festival we're planning, our Thanksgiving uh, dinner uh, around that starlighting Sunday just before starlighting. And then we're going to be doing a candlelight Christmas Eve service this, uh, this, this December. So don't you love this little church and what God's doing here? It's so amazing. And uh do you stand? I'll give you the blessing and we'll leave. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God. That it's not because of any good that we've done, but it's by grace through faith that we're saved. Help us to walk in that gospel truth and not condemn ourselves when we fall down, but to realize you're there to pick us up. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you, lift your countenance, and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you want to support the ministry, there's an offering box in the back. You can support us online, mysummitchurch.com. Otherwise, glad you came today. Blessings to you guys online. Hope to see you next Sunday. Take care.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, MySummitChurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.